Welcome, welcome to Skin Out, a podcast celebrating all the people them that want to skin out, enjoy and show out. These are the stories of people of colour taking up space in the kink and fetish scene. I'm your host, Tony, and I hope you're ready because we're about to go on a sexual journey. In each episode, we'll meet a brand new guest, delve into their sexual past and tread alongside them as they divulge their exploits in desire. Today, I'm joined by the wonderful Jax, she, they, a queer polyamorous person in their 50s. They are the founder of Black Fluent Polyamory Hub, a digital community for people of colour who are polyamorous in the UK. She is also the co-founder of Serotonin, a meetup for the global majority who are kinky and or ethically non-monogamous. She's also a co-founder of ENM Fam London, one of London's largest ENM meetups. Thank you for joining us, Jax. So something that surprised me, and I think it's actually going to surprise quite a few people, is that you didn't actually start going to play parties until quite recently. But you've always sort of been kind of kinky and a little bit deviant. When did it all start for you? I like to start, shockingly, uh, when I was age four in primary school. Really? Mm-hmm. What happened then? It's a memory that is as clear now as it was that day and it was playtime and we're in the pool little plastic pool and there was this young boy and he used to chase me chase me around the hut chase me around the pool splash me in special places and then he used to stick leaves down my knickers i know it's odd and yeah i know and the same young man in the winter would chase me and they stick snow in my knickers. I remember having that tiggly feeling, that tick-a-tick-tick-tick going on. And I know it's all very Freudian, I know. I would say that was my first sexual arousal feelings. But I didn't recognise that until I was an adult. And um, I've got a thing about nature. And, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very into nature and that has just carried through. I've met a few naturists in my time mm. who, who feel the same way. Yeah. They're not necessarily attracted to nature, but they feel very in sync with it. Yes. Yes. It's very organic. And then I got into my adolescence and I remember I was a bit of, um, I would describe I had quite a masculine energy. Um, and I had this thing about um, going for people that were hard to get and Around that time, I joined the church. It was a very evangelical church. And actually, I was motivated by some guys that went to the church. And, of course, motivated by the, the spiritual journey. But let's be real. It was the guys. And uh, I joined the church. I ended up having the most powerful sexual relations with the elders, the old pastor and the elders, and one elder in training. And I would say that was the most intoxicating, powerful sexual experience that I ever had. And I think that's because we wasn't supposed to be doing it. And that really turned me on. But then it all came out and the pastor had me on in front of the church and thought I was possessed by the spirit Jezebel and they wanted me to go up. Yeah, I know, crazy, right? In front of the church and forgive Ask everyone to forgive me. They didn't do that to the elders. And I said, no, 
And my, their parting words was, Jack, Satan's going to kick your head around like a football. So that kind of messed me up for a few years. I left the church. No doubt. I know, right? But it, it, it took some, some unpicking, you know, because thereafter having sex, I felt guilty. I wasn't in control. Then I got into my 20s and I met someone and um, he was a bit of a swinger. I indulged in that for a few years. Was that by choice or was it because... I just, found, my, I just found myself in this situation, but it felt good. And I mm-hmm. thought, oh, let's go along with it. And then I got married to husband number one. So I thought I'd be monogamous for a while. It was married sex. What does that mean? Is that boring? Boring Dictionary? in the bed. Mondays, Saturdays, Tuesdays, you know, you get into this routine and then you get pregnant and then you have the second child and it all goes about downhill for a bit. And then I got divorced and then I would say for about one year I made a conscious choice to be celibate. I can't actually remember why I decided, but it was really important. And I, But anyway, I've done it for a year. It was really interesting until I couldn't take it anymore. Uh-huh. What, what did you learn about yourself during that time, that self-imposed celibacy? It actually raised my sexual energy because I felt for a while that I had lost it, you know, leaving the church, being uncomfortable about having sex, then getting married, having children. So it almost raised those hormones, vibes again. And then after a year, I was ready. I dated a lot and I told everyone I was dating other people. I didn't know I was, well, I didn't recognise myself as being non-monogamous, but that's what I'd done because it felt really natural. And then I got married the second time. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we actually came into the love style together. I came home and said, right, this is what I want to do. And we went for it. But then I started to learn that I'm quite demisexual. Because all the people that I was shagging throughout my adolescence, I, they, 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 were, they were aligned with feelings too. I wanted to explore kink. But my partner at the time wasn't in the zone. But we went through to a, f- a few clubs. Didn't know anyone. Didn't know what to do. Um, I was the only person in the club that looked like me, black. And it wasn't very welcoming. Um, it was either half of the people were unfriendly or it, or just hostile. It, there was a strange vibe and I put that down for a while. And it wasn't until the creation of the ethical non-monogamy drinks that I actually met kinky people, people that were on the scene. And we developed friendships. And uh, around that time, I was introduced to someone called Logan, who we now do the serotonin. And it's quite an interesting mix because um, he's very experienced in the scene and I was coming in as a demisexual. And how does a demisexual deal with going to kink parties? That's why we created serotonin for people of colour who want to explore but make it accessible. Uh, so that's where we are. This year, I've, I've realised that for many years I've been very much into, in my masculine energy um, and that's just work and life and building the community and doing work and all that. 
And this year, I'm really stepping into my feminine energy. And when I talk about masculine and feminine energy, I'm not aligning it with gender. It's just an energy. So that's where I am. I'm much more open now, but I still seek that connection, that demisexual connection. But I feel like I'm in a community where that can be cultivated. How did you, well, actually, take a step back. What is being demisexual to you? What does that involve? I've really got to have an emotional connection with someone. Um, some people who identify as demisexual sex, it has to be love. It doesn't necessarily have to be love, but it's, it's, it's that mind. You know, for me, the brain is the biggest sexual organ. You, you know, you, I can have anyone naked jumping up and down, doing the acrobats. It will not make no difference. It's got to be that connection. And sometimes that connection is instant. Sometimes I might see someone a few times and that connection eventually come sometimes it doesn't but I've got to have that connection and when I was initially walking into king clubs it's like no I don't even fancy anyone it's like and plus they didn't look like me so it's just got to be a deep friendship for you when did that click in your head that that's what you preferred because it sounds like it happened when you're a lot older like is it is it because you just didn't have the vocabulary for it yeah yeah I would say in terms of me being polyamorous Mm. I know I've already always been polyamorous I just couldn't put a word a name to it and the same as demisexuality you know because um back in the day I, I used to have lots of partners I felt deeply sexually everything for them but society was saying to me well you can't love this person if you're seeing someone else it's all these messages and that was really confusing I remember when I was, um, I came across a book called The Ethical Slut and um, I read it and I cried, cried my eyes out because I was reading about me and I didn't think that anyone existed like me. Um, Certainly, you know, raised in South London, Brixton, I don't know anyone that's doing that. And then I found myself in a position of being the only black poly in London. That's how it felt 14 years ago. And... I went to a few socials and I just thought these people are just not my kind of people. They were very Californian, very hippie, very vibes. There was one person, he was a Satanist. It was quite interesting. He was all goffed up and it's like, what am I doing here? There must be people of colour like me. Where are they? So that's the trigger on why I started building a community. And for years... It was very small, but it's blowing up now because um, it's mainstream people understanding that. And with the kink, I'm learning myself. I've got a long way to go, but I feel I'm within the community where I can ask how to do this, how to do that. I remember the first time, um, it was a real big session in Pat Play. I mean, it's quite deep. And then the next day I was in bed, depressed, crying my eyes out, didn't know why. And it was a sub drop, but I was able to phone up my friends and say, this is what's happening. And they told me what exactly had happened. I, I never asked for care, for, for aftercare. I didn't know what it was and I never sought it either. This is really early in my journey. And serotonin gives me an opportunity to share the things that I'm learning from very experienced people from the scene and making it accessible and not shameful, you know, and... Especially in our pop community, there's lots of layers of shame. Absolutely. I, I know 
for me as well, exploring my sexuality, there's been a lot of shame attached to that, especially in the black community and the Caribbean community. Mm-hmm. Being not heterosexual was seen as such a majorly bad thing. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to overcome that internalized homophobia and to mm-hmm. feel okay mm-hmm. with exploring myself mm-hmm. and to not feel guilty that mm-hmm. I was a bad person for mm-hmm. doing it. You know, the church, the layer, it, I mean, it goes back, It's it goes back. We all know where it goes, where, where it starts from, colonization, family being broken up. It, it's got so many, you know, e- even with certain aspects of, of kink like rope, it's very triggering. And um, we've started a workshop for, for Pox to learn rope in, in the kink setting. And it feels safe because they know they're not going to be lynched. <laughs> yeah, because it's in our DNA. And I've had many people saying, oh, putting a collar on, putting a rope around me, oh, you know. And um, I think that part of the healing is actually being part of that and doing that in a safe environment. There's a lot of stuff, you know, even getting beaten. Lots of layers. A lot of layers. Mm. I, I think that's part of the reason why I'm not, so into that yeah because i'm thinking why am i getting beaten i don't want to get beaten mm. that's just very triggering for me especially mm. like growing up in black communities like it's it's normal to be <laughs> hit as a child and uh, then you're growing up and like yeah, yeah hit me i don't right? bruise, bleed i'm like no i don't want that anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yeah our, our relationship to um how, how we've been disciplined yeah it's uh enormous it goes deep and yeah i've got two licks I grew up in, you know, my mum's white, my my dad's Jamaican. I got two licks all the time. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Mainly because I tried to keep bringing boys into my house. Yeah. You're braver knew. than me. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't start doing any of that until I was, well, I was doing it in secret, but uh-huh. I, I never would have braved bringing someone back to my house with my Jamaican mum. You know, you know. I suppose my mum was a bit, because my mum's my mom, my a feminist anyway. And, uh, you know, woman's power and and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, dad, my stepdad. Ooh. But on the other hand, I wasn't taught that sex w- w- was dirty. You know, I got good, my mum would talk to me. I was just a bit of a man eater. <laughs> Couldn't help myself in school. I had a reputation and I loved it. The slut reputation. I find it quite powerful. Even when you were younger? Like oh, you- yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. How? 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 <laughs> I just loved the challenge of, especially them Christian young men. I just loved the challenge because you're not supposed to do it. You're not supposed to do it. That was a buzz for me. Oh. Yeah, a bit of a rebel. Very much a rebel. I don't think I could have handled the connotations that come around being called a slut. Mm-hmm. The the shame, the, the negative ideas that mm. you're this unrespectable person yeah i remember when i was talking very openly about sex and masturbation on my instagram and a few family friends were like i thought you were this responsible intelligent person but as soon as i was talking about these things being any which way sexual i was now the opposite wow. i was clearly stupid i was not responsible i was not a role model i was this this and this you was a deviant yeah you was a deviant i i suppose my mother taught me don't care don't care so I've got to thank, I've got her to thank, thank for me. I, I, I don't care. I almost like the um, eyes and the judgments in some ways until the church chucked me out. That was a hard day. But yeah, they were all fucking too. <laughs> 
I feel like the the most oppressed sexually are the most deviant. Aren't they just? Absolutely. Aren't they just? I bet they love flogging as well. Oh, uh, I mean, you know, um, one person in Innes an Elder, and uh, I recall buying him really pretty lingerie for Valentine's because that's what he wanted. Oh, he was into being sissifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's a pastor now, so we don't talk about that now. <laughs> I feel like I've been told a very dirty secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was the most amazing sexual connection I've ever had, I think, really. I don't know. Just different. But um, I'm getting to the age now. I'm, I, I mean, I, I have gone the last couple of years, you know, you get to 50, 52, and the menopause hits. That's another layer. But actually, I feel like I'm coming out of that. And I feel really confident and I feel really ready. But what's really interesting is that, some of my lovers or emerging lovers are much younger than me. And how is that? How is that experience? I absolutely adore it. But then it's like, oh, are they trying to enact the MILF fantasy? You know, there's always that on the back of my mind. But then they're quite masculine in their energy. So... um it's something that I'm tipping into. You know, I've got some connections that are my age and some are younger. I'm putting it in the fuck it bucket because there's one thing in these last couple of years with the COVID, you're a long time dead and I'm going to enjoy myself. And I hope that I'm an inspiration for other women my age. That Absolutely. It's just beginning. You just got to make that decision and we do have a community where you'll be welcomed if you want to explore it. So, exactly, uh, you're yeah. in your fifties. Yeah, you've only just now exploring your kinks. You Bring it on, events. Yeah, I know events. Are, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Um, I love the events. Um, we, our first serotonin um, play party was really humbling, really emotional. We had a sharing circle at the beginning. We talked about consent. We talked about disability. We talked about vulnerabilities and just being in the circle with people from different pop cultures and the, the events called Motherland. And it's, you know, dress up in what you identify. And we had the black music. We had no tech. No. <laughs> okay. I, nothing. I'm not judging tech, right? But we had to. Even having the reggae and, and the dub and the drum and bass and the, the, the afro, it was just so sexy because pop people are so sexy. It was a whole different vibe and just really emotional. Yeah, because most of the mainstream um, play parties and the big ones, they all play techno music. And yeah. it can be quite hard to find yourself in a space, especially if you're very new to this space. Yes. So it's great that Motherland was such a huge Yeah. Success. And music is so important. You know, black music is important. It's, it's. <sighs> I know R&B is very much a baby making. Absolutely. <laughs> genre. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, part of sexuality and being at parties is dancing and gyrating and moving and giggling and and dancing and and we're bringing that into because um it's very moving and arousing so we we, we always welcome feedback and we, you know it's it's not mine it's something that we as a community can all be part of and create and build i love how 
you're building the community. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's so important. And I remember when I was just sort of exploring polyamory and non-monogamy, I was like, oh, this doesn't, there's, there aren't a lot of people like me. Mm-hmm. And when I first found out about Ian and Fam London, mm-hmm. I went to the first, I went to one of the events, like, mm-hmm. this is so cool. Mm-hmm. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't based on sex, it was based no. on making friends and yes. building lasting relationships, which I think is so important because all the other people that I'd known who were polyamorous or non-monogamous, the people I went on dates with, and there was that element towards it where we did sort of have their feelings, we decided to put it as just friends, but there was still that tension. Yeah. And it felt nice to be able to just make friends with people. Yes, yes, you know, uh, you know, my poly journey and I break up with someone, who do I talk to? My mono friends telling me I told you about it, you know. Yeah, people were lonely. It was just, it just came out of the pandemic. Everyone was fed up of the apps. What I like about it is that we cover the whole umbrella of ethical non-monogamy. So, you know, um, there's a lot of people in the community that are asexual. You know, sex isn't a motivator for them, or not certainly not the biggest. And and out of that, little groups have been created according to what hobbies and and I, you know, I, I go there now and I watch people. And yeah, it, it's a friend five. We need that family because, to be quite honest, we many of us can't be close to our family because of who we are. That's so, a shame. Yeah, so it's very much a chosen family. Yeah, I know. I know for a fact. I definitely can't talk about any of this with my oh, regular family. Yes. Um, I remember. <laughs> I told. <laughs> I told my mum that you know I'm not just interested in men, and she said, "Thank you for telling me, Aww. but um, I don't want to talk about this anymore." Oh. I, I think she's in denial. I think she thinks this is a phase, and she asked me, "How long have you known this?" I was like, "I've I've known for a while now. I've known since I was like 13, 14. Yeah. I just haven't told you yeah. until now." Yeah. And. I think because of that interaction, I mean, she handled it a lot better than I thought she would. I thought she would just been freak out completely, but she took it on board. She listened. It, it's not what I wanted, but I'll take it. I'll take it. So it's it's good that we have this chosen family who we can be freely ourselves and truly authentic mm. and share our experiences yeah. with. And it's, I think it's easier when those people are also non-monogamous I love my monogamous friends yeah they're great I do too they're lovely but they don't understand everything no no they don't they don't you know when you think of certain countries like Jamaica it's really hostile it's really hostile if you're gay it's it's hostile um you know there are aspects of the music Mm -hmm. that have been recorded (laughs) (laughs) some of my favorite talking about burning there you go there you go right oh lord jeez (laughs) there's a lot of shame um the tide is changing. When I look at the twenty-year-olds and thirty-year-olds, they're you know from the from the pop crew, they're different, 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 different energy, more, more, more braver. Um, it, it's it's become norm. It's becoming more normalised. That's all I want. You know, there's nothing wrong with monogamy. There's nothing wrong with poly or whatever. Just uh, deal with it. And you know, let's face it. All my life. Someone always had a side piece. I hate the word side piece. Mm. Listen, do you know anyone that's been really, really, really faithful? Um, your, your listeners, look at me. Come on, before you, part, yeah. The worst part is, is you'll see all these, the Caribbean people, they're judging on monogamy. Mm. And then you think about all the baby mamas, all the yes. baby daddies. And yes. it's like, 
Hmm. Yes. Maybe <laughs> you're actually non-monogamous too, but absolutely. you still want to admit it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But we're, I think we're doing it in a much healthier way. Yes. We're communicating. Yes. We're communicating those. Well, when I think of back of the day, you know, and this only occurred to me a few years ago, my mum and my stepdad were non-monogamous because we all lived in the house in Stretton together and he had two children from a previous marriage around my age, two girls, and he'd be there two, three times a week at that family house. And that happened for all my, it, it went on for years, come on. Yeah, let's just put a name on it and, and, and remove the shame. And, and um, the way we do that is being transparent and open and together. I actually remember I was talking to my mum one time and it was when I was moving to Spain. I was like, oh, you know, I can have a boyfriend in Spain, have a boyfriend in each different country. Oh, and she yeah. was like, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's wrong. You, you can't be one of those women. You can't be, I don't know what she said, but it was along the lines of slut shaming. And yeah. saying you can't, that's not what I want for you. I think it's because I'm a woman. Yes. That it's not okay for me to, to, to be like that. I remember growing up, she'd always be like, oh, you know, why do you always want to go out all the time? You have a home. You can't be like uh-huh. you can't be like the boys. You can't be going out. You can't be mm. doing all that sort of stuff. And it, I think it's to do a lot with gender roles and how yeah. women are perceived within black communities. Yeah. We're hypersexualized from a young age. But then as soon as we get, come into our sexuality, we're told, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. You can't explore your sexuality. You can't mm. explore who you are mm. and be vocal about it. That's for sluts. That's for whores. That's, yeah. that's not what you're meant to be. Mm. And look at you now. Mm, the biggest whore around. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Listen, mum's just at the end, wants to just make sure you're safe. A lot of that is, and sometimes it's communicated in, in a different way. And also, you know, I mean, my mother was swinging in the 70s. A pill just came out. You, you, you know, um, women's rights. Um I don't know how old your mother is, but it's very different. Very different. I remember my mother when she was pregnant and she was in the hospital having me and my nan had to give her a wedding ring and put a wedding ring on her finger because if the nurses never saw a wedding ring, they'd treat you badly. And this was in 1970. So, you know, our grandmothers and mothers come from a much more oppressed place. The difference with us two is that we women, we live in our own places. We've got our own income. We've got a lot to thank for the feminists that came before us, fought for our rights, and our parents couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, there's a bigger think about that too. You know, Definitely. it was a different time for our mums and grands. Absolutely. But yeah. I think that now that time has progressed, mm. they would want to feel as liberated and would want to explore all the things they were they were denied when they were younger yeah i do think that a lot of the hatred towards women who are sexually open is because they feel like they can't be as open as them yeah they feel like why should this woman get to have orgasms or get to do this and then i'm here not being able to do it yes and hopefully it's programs like this that it will reach women but, you know, it, it will be out there and someone will listen and um, they'll find you and they'll find a community. And all we can say is that you're very welcome. We're here and uh, we give you all the information and experiences and, and support. You know, there's someone mm. out there. 
And I, I really hope that they find this in particular, especially if they're older, my mum's age yes. or your mum's age. Yes. And they see you. Yes. They see you doing this. Yes. I yes. think that's so inspiring. Yes. Because I feel like a lot of women, when they go into marriages or when they have kids, they sort of lose their identity and they mm. feel like they can't be their former selves and mm. they have to go through this period of mourning where it's like, I'm no longer this single, attractive person because for some reason, society says that once you have kids, you have to be a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. Oh. You can't be who you were beforehand. Yeah. And I think I personally, I struggle with that idea as well because I've only just now come into myself. I'm like, I do want kids, but I worry that I'll lose myself once I do have kids mm -hmm. and I won't be able to be my true authentic self anymore. Mm -hmm. But how did you, how did that work for you? Well, I was doing monogamy when I had my little kid with the kids. I mean, you know, you know, the first, uh, I was in a monogamous marriage. Yeah, I just wasn't feeling marriage for, for so, so many reasons. But yeah, you know, your body changes, your breasts change, you've pushed them out, then picked me out. Oh, it, you, you, you know, it's sometimes hard. I mean, you know, I'm 50, I'm plus size. I think I'm a sexy hot plus size, but it's taken me a while to get there. You know, I remember meeting you. I went to a Ruby Racks sketch drawing. Body loves. Body sketch. loves. Yeah. Yeah. Because four weeks after that, I was going to go to my first play party. And I thought, what, 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 what am I going to a play party when I'm uncomfortable about being naked in front of people? So just little steps. So I went there. It's really freezing. It was the winter, I think. It was really cold. I'd done it. And... It just felt so normal. And I saw so many bodies that were normal. They, you know, five people drew me and the pictures are amazing. I think start, since I started going to kink parties, play parties, I've got to say my body confidence has gone from zero to 100. It's by doing it and being there. No one looks at me in a certain way. No one judges me in a certain way. Everyone's got different bodies. I feel I feel different. I feel, I feel like Venus, you know, like Aphrodite. Come to me, you young men, you know. <laughs> Bring it on. But yeah, that's where I am. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. So if you're not comfortable with how you look, do it in stages. And there are parties where you can do it in stages. And um, if you ever see, see me, I'm big and proud and... Um, I I went to a one night party recently, and I saw it was it was for femme and non-binary people, and it was full of all different body types, yeah. body sizes, and yeah. tall, short. It was great. It was yeah. wonderful to see all of these people fully being their sexy selves, yeah. and in various degrees of undress. Like yes, you, you don't have to go full nude. There you go. You wear whatever makes you feel sexy. Yeah. You're wearing lace dresses, yeah. latex, latex looks, mm. and feels mm. amazing. Mm. I've never done the latest thing, but I must say the whole dressing up for me is part of the fun. It's like going on holiday, going on a plane is part of the fun. It's part of the holiday, the dressing up. And that's what we've done a lot as children. We do it at nursery, at school. We always had a dressing up box. We could get into different you know, identities and it's returning to that but in the, in, in the adult way. And that's a pleasure and fun. You know, it's not too serious. It doesn't have to be too serious. You know, be playful. I love the dressing up part. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You're good at it. <laughs> you have seen your, your latest bunny. <laughs> My friend wow. made me a bunny bonnet and that was 
great. I loved, that's why I wore it one night. And <laughs> <laughs> I love dressing up and I really loved wearing that outfit because it definitely transformed how I was feeling and who I was in that moment. I felt very delicate, very soft. Because oh. in my head, uh, I think the reason why I'm drawn to bunnies is because they're very soft and delicate. Animals, yeah. Very fluffy, very mm, cuddly. Mm. And I want a soft life. Just... So we, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want a really soft life where I just get cuddles and pets. Oh. And that's what transformed me wearing that outfit, wearing the bunny bonnet. And being in that space and just being a cute being. <laughs> it's almost like a sexual mindfulness experience, being the bunny. And what does that mean? And and what does that feel like? And being in that moment, and it, it's yeah, loved it. And I loved the bonnet bit too. I just thought very cute and very creative. People have different alter egos. Like I, I know someone whose alter ego is a is a very dominant person who is very confident, takes charge, mm-hmm. but they in themselves are quite submissive. Oh yeah. And it just it wearing what you wear just transforms yourself and mm. it gives you that extra confidence. Yeah. I know people are also attracted to like hoods or being um, wearing cat ears or anything like that. Yeah, and you never really in the moment you don't quite understand or realize why you're cho- why you're drawn to those things. Yeah, because I didn't know because I I've, I have like another um, bunny sort of mask, mm. and I didn't really realize at the time why I was so drawn to it. But it's the more I was wearing it, and I was like analyzing why I wanted to wear those kind of things, and it's always um very feminine ah. colors i was drawn to like very pink very pink look because like, you can have black bunnies and you have white bunnies yeah. but i was drawn to specifically specifically a pink bunny how interesting because i also met another bunny on the night and she was like a white bunny so it was it was interesting because like, we all had different reasons yeah 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 <laughs> wow follow and follow the right rabbit isn't it? it's, it's just like <laughs> yeah will you have the blue or the red pill eh <laughs> bunny <laughs> Were there any challenges in making Nomonomi works work with your family? Because your first relationship was monogamous mm. and you had two children. Mm. How was that then coming out of that and becoming non-monogamous and having the kids and having the ex-partner who was monogamous? Mm. Was there any difficulties? With the first marriage and then the, the kids young, no. Is that, that, that was, um, I just needed to leave with the second marriage. And, and we're still married. Um, but we see ourselves as solo polyamorous. They were always really cool anyway. We're connected, really liberal, nothing shots shot them. Anyway, they're, they're, you know, we were very aligned. And I went out for a drink with an old flame and then um, the old flame wanted to see me. So I got on the train, came back and told them, my, my, my partner, I want to be polyamorous. And so, and then for a year, we'd done a deep, dive and unpicked our issues and whatever whatever you know what you need to do um all relationships have ups and downs especially when you're transitioning i'm not gonna lie you know it's one bit of therapy because um i i had to um deal with some jealousy and envy issues of myself um which sent me in the direction of my attachment issues and then working on that so no, no problems. I've been quite lucky. Even with kids involved. Yeah, now, right? yeah. So I've got two sons. One's 25, one's 26. My youngest son is running an LGBTQ youth service in Bristol and he's kind of polarish. And we've always lived in the family. You know, I, I come from, um, 
I used to be in the, in the music industry, so my children were in contact with very different, you know, different types of people. So no, no, no. But, you know, my partner and I did do the when they was about 12, sit, sitting them down, right, I think we need to tell you that we're polyamorous and this is what it means. And both of them looked at me, it's like, yeah, we know and so what? They yeah, did? And, twelve? Yeah. That's impressive. I, yeah. I, I had no idea what that was when I was 12. Yeah, but... I suppose I pick up the, on the conversations, see my friends, you know, I took them to Pride when they were young, you, you know, a lot. It's just, it's just the way they're grown up. So, I, you know, it's not a bit, it's not much of a shock. And actually young people are not shocked. And when I speak to other people, the young people are not shocked because um, there's so much information out there now. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier now. There's a wealth of information. Yeah. Now. I'm learning so much. So, so much. Yeah, there's so much for of the young people but it doesn't mean that the 50 plus women have to sit and watch it all no absolutely not you know you're a very powerful woman at 50 years old you know you've um, seen a lot and you've experienced yeah, a lot and yeah you, yeah it, do you feel like you know yourself more absolutely i make wiser decisions but i still do a lot of stuff you know it's it's not it's not holding me back yeah i feel very confident i feel very sexy I feel desired really desired I'm in a good place yeah I'm really excited yeah 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 <laughs> that's amazing to hear yeah watch me I might get myself some like pink bunny ears or something I think this year I need to be more creative and I'm gonna try new things you what's know. on your list of things to try well I'm going on a course a workshop um, to learn fire play and wax play. I've done the wax play. I'm quite a natural, but yeah, I, I, I love the drama. I'm also going to be starting a burlesque course at Set Covent Garden. I found one Tuesday. Great, perfect. And I want to learn that. And then I want to do a performance, burlesque performance with a cream cake and lots of jellies. And that's all I'm saying. And I made it on the stage next year. Wow. My yes. imagination is running wild. Yes, yes, yes. So I've got a fantasy um, that I, I would like to go to Amsterdam and be on the stage and strip. It's very dramatic for me. It's all very goddess and dramatic for me. So I'm going to do that. Love I'm going to do that. So burlesque, yeah, I'm going to get the corset and then I'm going to sit in the cake in front of everyone. I've got yeah, some things coming up this year. Watch this space. <laughs> I'm so excited! <laughs> what? Because why not? Why not? Mm. You know, I've heard of cake, um, cake splashes. That's yes, cool, right? basically. Yes. I saw it at some club and I thought, yeah, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. That was just so arousing. And somehow I've got to find a way of, I love to have a play party in the forest, you know, with the leaves, but that goes back to my nature babe thing. But, you know, maybe not in this country or some strange voice. You know, lots of ideas. You can't do all of them. But at the same time, I'm also going with the flow. I try most things once. Me too. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I try them twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try them twice. The, yes. sec the second time is to make sure that I definitely don't like it yeah. or I definitely do yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm definitely, most play spaces, I, I'm a sub. I go into a kind of subspace meditation and it's actually really relaxing. Being a top or a dom, yeah, I can do that. Everyone wants me to, and it's like, nah, I want a day off, I want, you know. So we'll see. I don't keep things too strict or tight. 
I go with the flow. And that's mainly because I'm with people around me who I'm really safe with. I don't think I would do that going into a club where I didn't know anyone. So I got my kinky, sexy sluts around me in my life who I love, love like cookies and cream who are there with me. And I can ask really strange questions and they're just, they're cool, they're cool. Yeah, that's great. That's the main reason why I wanted to start this podcast. Yeah. Is to to bring visibility to the people that are already in these spaces mm-hmm. to hear their experiences, yes. hear their stories, and to realize that you're not alone, you know, and there's people out there. You can find your community as oh, well. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. The community is so hot. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like. So- Wow. Come on, people. You know you want to. <laughs> what's what's been your favorite moment so far? Like since dipping your toes into the community aspect of things and making making all these new people, making all these friends. What's been your favorite moment? We had um with the ethical non-monogamy drinks, we had our one year anniversary in the summer and that was really humbling because I just stood by the side and watched everyone. People aren't alone anymore. People are really lonely out there. Even if you're living with a partner, a wife, a husband or whatever, it's really lonely out there. It's been hard on people's mental health, especially with this pandemic. And it's just seeing people that are not lonely and isolated. And that's been the most enriching thing about this journey. And, um, knowing that it's going to be better for younger people coming up, black, poc, young people coming up. And it's okay. There's no shame and we're here. We're going to leave it on that wonderfully delicious note. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jack, so much for joining me. It's been a total pleasure. And sharing your story and allowing us to be a part of it. And thank you to our lovely listeners for tuning in. Let us know your thoughts and carry on the conversation with us using the hashtag SkinOutPod. Do all the bits that you usually do with podcasts. Follow us, give us a rating, share it on Instagram, any other social media. And we will see you next week. 